What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern. We have been gone for a while, but I am your host, Alex Kessel, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Excited to be back. Uh, th- lots of cool magic things happening. I, I continue my uh, my personal return, uh, my, my, my return to my pure love of magic. I play so much magic these days, and it has been so wonderful to be doing it. And I, I'm really excited here to talk to you guys on this episode because... There's a lot of cool stuff that's happened since last we talked to you. Some amazing previews. Alex and I actually got to go and do a social commander night with uh, our friend Joe from uh, Tabletop Jocks and a bunch of other cool folks uh, the other night. I can't remember the last time I went to a social magic event with you that wasn't like an event, just like a magic night where we played magic. That wasn't at like a convent. Yeah, no, nothing. Nothing in a while. Like five well, years. In my, in my defense, I am. I am a. A father now <laughs> and my availability to do anything uh is is definitely much more limited but yeah no definitely it was really fun um and we're in the midst we're in the midst of preview season you know we're we're, we're the the end of the not the end i guess because aftermath still happens but the the uh final final main set of the phyrexia saga or the new phyrexia saga has has is in the midst of previewing the story is done um we're waiting for aftermath to see how the story wraps up controversial story um which we could we can talk about if you want then a bunch of new cards uh we we're gonna today we're gonna go over the mechanics uh, each of the key new mechanics for the set uh as well as maybe some shout outs some some heaters we've noticed already in preview season Good ones. um like some very cool cards and and, and obviously some game-changing things in in regards to a new entire card type which uh we did shot call ben i don't know if you know this we did it twice <laughs> i did it once on tiktok but then we followed up with it on the podcast if you go to the january 24th episode and listen to oh, the last 10 the minutes date. of that episode the date <laughs> uh oh yeah i have i have <laughs> i was like i swear we called this uh and we we literally described almost it, it it's we basically go over like the four things we think a battle card is going to be and we describe the fact that it changes like it tart like another player has it and different players attack it than own it we talk about uh the fact that it'll act like a planeswalker it'll be a loyalty ability card that you fight over and then uh the one thing we had was that it had a static ability so like if it had seven loyalty counters or whatever they are, uh, it'll have like if it'll give like all creatures plus zero plus seven. And then if it goes down to four, it'll be plus zero plus four or whatever. Uh, we didn't have when you when you kill it, giving it to your opponent, you get an effect. But we had the loyalty countdown ability and we had um, the like interchanging of targeting who who controls it. So um, high five to well, us. The- can I ask a question, though, because I have not gone back to review the January 24th final 10 minutes episode. How much of that? was you and how much was I involved in? Because I'd love to know if you tell me that I was at least substantially involved, I'll be very happy. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Were you like, what do you think a battle is going to be? And I was like, I don't know, man. You tell me what you, is that kind of how it went? 
Yeah, it's also like uh, so. Also, I posted. I, I I did a whole TikTok breakdown like on the 18th. So it definitely was like I like went over my four ideas in a different TikTok and decided to bring it into the episode. And it's at the very end of like a maybe an hour and a half, two hour episode, and we are very tired. <laughs> you're, you're I like. Very- you're very gracious that you just that you teed me up there that I had to ask because uh, you made me sound really cool until I outed myself. Which I you didn't have to bring it up. I was going to let you be. Yeah, uh, I you 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 we participated together. You definitely contributed to the conversation on on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that how that how that would work. And um, but um, the 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 other idea we had that ended up not being true was uh, that they were going to be a third type of non-permanent spell. So like instant sorcery and then a third thing because sure. right now that's all all there there are way more permanents than there are non-permanents um well i but, appreciate yeah. you uh, giving me credit there before i added myself but I, I was like i was like trying to trace in my brain i was like do i remember having any opinions on this we're, we were very you didn't even know battle in your defense uh the way that like the segment plays out is we like review attracts the last and which which our card evaluation on that card was just like not good <laughs> like that card is very is good and we were like this could be a commander maybe uh but i made you read the last 10 pit like the the mm-hmm. the whole card and you then your brain like breaks mid card being like wait what the, what the hell is a battle card and then I start speculating on what a battle card is so you you didn't right. know what was coming I, I i did get a sick review like like there's an honest reaction of you being like, wait, they're adding a new permanent card. That's very good. But we're very tired in that episode. So it's like, there's a lot of like, yeah, like it could be this. And you're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Cool. So, uh, oh yeah, it could be this. Yeah. yeah. That would, so, okay. But, but regardless, it battle sounds is like, here. Sounds like fascinating content. To be yeah. Yeah. There's a TikTok That's way better. I shared it. <laughs> um, but, uh, continuing continuing the track record of uh us just knowing the future <laughs> as, a, as a team they they previewed like uh i think i must have seen five or six battles today uh, oh there there are there are a lot of battles that have been previewed uh there's I mean, there's a lot of cards there's there's a few in totally insane cards that have been previewed so far and then there's there's a bunch of battles a couple of which are quite good um but yeah i i like this set it's exciting i i think without getting into the specifics right off the bat i will say that the power level feels pretty high um i think that like there's a lot of really good stuff in here i definitely have a few cards that i'm excited to talk about uh before we get into all of that though a big thank you to all of our patrons the, there's a little segment with alex and i doing our predictable uh, dissection of the mcu which we periodically go and do you guys can listen to before this uh we get straight into it so uh thank you everybody who is a patron and continues to support as alex mentioned in the section before this with travel and everything lately we've uh, been able to do less of those because uh, there's been more short form content and less long form content. It's just been harder for us to kind of create full hours. Like you have a child and I've already, you know that my Marriott account already has 46 nights in 2023. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not, it's night. It's basically 90 days into the year. So it's uh why half the year in Marriott's. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it has been uh, something that we, you know, we have just not been in here as much as we'd like to, but we're we're still uh, nothing is changing. We're just, you know, having to, to deal with fatherhood and the work schedule. But thank you to the patrons who have been here and we're listening to that. Uh, and a big thank you to our sponsor who obviously features us, uh, TCG Player. Uh, definitely. We, we love being a part of the network and, and we appreciate being involved. So uh, thank you for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So first, let's talk. Let's talk mechanic, and, and we we've already kind of touched upon it. So let's talk battles, because I think that's that's obviously the big, the big new thing. Now, uh, right now, battles are only uh, set to be that we've we've been told set to be in this set. Uh, they're all double sided cards, and they are sideways. And the battle mechanic basically reads, uh, and and these are all battle sieges. So that's the other thing that's important is that the the mechanical essence to what we know they do is based on the siege mechanic because they have the keyword uh a siege and so a siege is i'm gonna have to turn my head sideways a siege enters uh, as a siege enters choose an opponent to protect it you and others can attack it when it's defended when it is defeated exile it and then cast it transformed and it comes in with a uh what is it called it's not a loyal i keep calling it loyalty but um let me see the exact defense counters and there's with an, a, a number of defense counters so it's it acts like a planeswalker you're casting this card it comes into play uh you choose a player to defend it but in reality they kind of like gain control of it right your player now has it and it has a health and if you attack it enough for a health to go to zero you then get to benefit so you get it it transforms and flips over um right now the way it works is if any player attacks it you still get to get to cast the transform side so you you are still the beneficiary of it it's not like a multiplayer effect where like if i cast it on ben and uh joe attacks ben and kills it joe gets to cast the card it's still my card and, and often they either have cash triggers or etb triggers when you play them and then when they flip there is a benefit permanent that you get to control yes it's a it's a really exciting mechanic and i feel like the first time we had a permanent type that was introduced that was not traditional that had counters was Planeswalker, right? And we this came out like what now, like 15 years ago, I think, or a little more than that, actually, in Lorwyn. And we all kind of looked at it. And we're like, OK, so you have like a thing that comes down on the battlefield and like this has permanence on it. I don't know really how it works or what it does, but I guess I'll attack it instead of a player and like whatever. Now, as the years have gone on, like we're all very familiar with Planeswalkers. They're, they're very balanced for the most part. Every once in a while, we get one that's broken. So with battle cards, they're interesting. There is sort of a combination of like, they're almost like one half Planeswalker, one half Saga is what they feel like when you first read them. Yep. They, have, they have the element of there's loyalty on these things. Um, and then the back half of them, once they flip, is they they have this like something happens when they enter and then there's like, sort of saga slash creature or whatever. Um, there's been a couple really good ones. There have been some more like limited focused ones, I think so far. We'll probably talk about one or two of those. Well, and there's there's a ton of them, right? They, they, they range at every rarity. There's planeswalker ones. There's creature ones. There's there's instant sort like basically every card type has shown up on the back of one of these. But I think the thing that is most significant about these cards and the reason that the design is so interesting is this is a significant new card type change in card type that is specifically designed to have a different experience if you're in 1v1 or multiplayer and that's like the last time we got like a new card type really i guess or like a new because saga wasn't really a new card type i mean saga was just like an effect that was based on enchantments vehicle last time last time we got a new card type was was tribal and planeswalkers they came in the same set yeah I, i mean planeswalker is the last one i'm just trying to think of something that was like an, a new idea that was significant. So, I guess. Sag, like, sagas and vehicles, right? Like that's, those are the other, the those are the two real ones. Exactly. Sagas and vehicles. And, and they're both kind of riffs on other things that already exist. Planeswalkers don't really have a different relationship to a one V one game versus a multiplayer game. They're not 
templated that way. I mean, obviously they affect the game differently. This does. This is a card, a battle card specifically is templated to say, if you play this in multiplayer, it's going to be interesting and it's going to have lots of interaction with the whole table. If you play this in 1v1, it is specifically referencing only your opponent. Both are relevant, but the card is going to function totally differently. And I think to me, that is a fascinating concept because the way it's designed, it wants to straddle those two things. And that means that evaluating the power is really hard. It's very hard to look at these cards and know, is this great? Is this really bad? Are these all mid? I'm not really sure. But yeah, because I'll, this I game to ban it, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing. I, I would bet one of these cards gets banned. At least. I would bet one battle gets banned. I'll bet I'll bet you $10. <laughs> have an idea uh, which one so far or no? No, no, no. I have no idea which one. I'm saying I'm saying just like historically when Wizards has made new mechanics, right? Because like to your point, okay, so so outside of the core card types in magic history, the like are like the, there's almost like a secondary tier of like core card type that exists where it's like still a subset of another type, but it does something different, right? Auras are not one of those which kind of are their own card type uh, equipment and vehicles are both mm-hmm. that way. Um, planeswalkers, static ability, planeswalkers, sagas, companions. Like these are all things that like are functionally new things within the rules of magic. And Even if they're on existing things. Yes. And agreed. every single one of them ref- caused the banning to happen other than Ara. <laughs> All of them, right? Every single one of those I listed had cards banned because they were too powerful. And so that's that's where my prediction comes from. Who, who knows if it'll be actually true, but um, that's my my guess is that this is such a different type of thing that and, and, and that happens for two reasons. One, because when Wizards makes a brand new, a brand new sexy card type, uh, they want it to be exciting for people. So they're, they're they make the cards good, right? They're, they're like, OK, we want these to be played. They, we want this to be something that people want to play with. We didn't want we don't want this cool new card type to be a dud. We're going all the effort to make an entire new card type. We have to like rewrite half the rule book to make sure it incorporates this to be a part yeah. of it. And so these better be seeing play in every in, in at least most of the main formats. And B, at the same time of them wanting it to be good, they have the fact that knowing how these function in the wild in a balanced, learned way based on the team of at most 100 people they have on their testing teams, which is way high. It's not 100 people. <laughs> um, is is unrealistic. Like, there's no way they're going to catch every in and out or how toxic or un- not toxic. Like, they didn't do it, like, with vehicles. They didn't do it with equipment. They didn't do it. Like, it's always, like, these corner cases that are weird and interesting. And and so, and and, like, and a lot of them, it's also, like, weird changes last minute, right? Equipment was they made Skull Clamp minus toughness instead of plus toughness because they thought it was too good so they made it worse by giving it as you know plus one minus one broke the card in half with with uh vehicles it was uh uh i believe thopter copter wasn't or uh um looter smuggler smuggler's copter copter, like i think the like it wasn't in it was just like an attack trigger for the loot it wasn't like an attack block trigger or was a damage trigger or something along those lines and it wasn't doing enough. So they made it, it like trigger on attacking and blocking versus on damage. Um, so like do there are often little tweaks that make them just so much more dangerous. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get banned. The concept and conversation surrounding these, because they're fairly complex cards, right? Like the, they have two different sides, the front side in the same way that a planeswalker has to generate value that is similar to a sorcery speed spell 
at a similar cost. The Planeswalker version of like the minus is always going to be sort of a little worse because it'll be more expensive than like that ability. The way that like the original Kiora is just basically like the minus is like explore, but like Kiora costs four. So like stuff like that, these sort of are going to have to have a similar thing because the upside of getting them is high enough, but you just sort of have to then read them and gauge, okay, can I live with whatever subpar thing I'm getting on the front half? How versatile is this thing on the front half? And then if it goes my way, just how insane could this be? And then the last piece of it, and we'll talk about this when we get into the specific cards, is what things already exist that the best ones of these interact with that take advantage of the mechanic and just blow them out of the water? Because there's like, there's already a couple things when I've read them that I'm like, oh, that's that's extraordinarily good. <laughs> like, well, like the fact that Vampire Hex Mage flips any of these automatically. I mean, that's the first thing I was going to mention a second ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh so I, we can talk about that. I didn't want to talk about like, I don't want to review like Invasion of Fiore yet. Like, right. I, talking about the, yes. Like the fact that you can interact with these cards in interesting ways outside of the normal is, is op- offers a bunch of cool opportunities. You know, I think let's, let's focus on what you just mentioned, because I think that actually that particular factor is something that applies to all of the things we're going to talk about. So yeah. Vampire Hacker Mage, obviously black, black uh, for a two, one first strike creature. You can sacrifice it to, uh, remove all counters from target permanent, which means any of these that come down with a vampire hex mage in play, any of them, uh, it can sacrifice and immediately remove the counters to flip it, right? The same way that you can do that with a dark depths and get the token. Um, one of them, one we're going to talk about later, is a creature tutor, so that's interesting. But the fact that any effect in the history of magic that removes all counters from permanence or all counters from target permanent or X counters from target permanent are going to interact with these cards very favorably. Hex Parasite is another one. Like Aether Snap is another one. There are a bunch of cards that do that. And that is a unique effect that has not had a ton of applications. This new card type is specifically interacting with those types of cards. So I I think that that in itself is a really interesting piece of this. Because on that note, I don't think I'm not like willing yet to predict this. I could see Vampire Hex Mage getting banned in modern modern due to these cards if if there's enough ways that it interacts with them that that breaks them in half i can see vampire hex mage getting getting cut because like and in the same way that like bridge from below was cut right before they got rid of hogak where like if like modern gets broken in half for the next three months because there's like hex mage battles are too good yeah they'll ban hex mage first see what happens and then they'll ban the the actual problematic yeah. battle right we'll be like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hex Mage is banned because battles, right? That, it's, that's, that's, to, it's just going to come down to how good are the battles. Like, if they're good enough that without Hex Mage, they're already insane, then it's like, it's, it's a guarantee. If it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. But if, if, if that interaction sees play early, I can see that being the first. I think I can see them hitting the enabler first before they get rid of battles because they don't want to like have the bad PR of like, we had to ban a battle. Um, but to, right. kind of kind of going back to something you said early on, though. What I think is really interesting is that these cards do need their own card type. They're not like sagas. They're not like equipment where they could be. This could be a subtype of Planeswalker, right? Where like the fact that I give it to my opponent and they have to, I now have to attack it. I don't give it because you to, to clarify, you still control it. You choose an opponent, but it's under your control. But the fact that I am now attacking it with my creatures and they have to block it, right? That does not work like anything else currently, currently in the game. Um, yeah. the fact that it is, 
like this card type that sits into play. I, I think it's also like they like looked at, you know, the line between artifacts and enchantments is thin, right? For a long time, wizards refused to let color artifacts be very common because that was one of the only differentiators between them and enchantments. And enchantments to this day, like, aren't allowed to tap, right? That's a, a enchantment cannot have a tap ability. That is a, a, a piece of enchantments because if they did, then they now are artifacts. That's like an artifact thing. And so looking at the design space, they built a lot of these rules against loyalty counters and permanents with loyalty on them and the ability to attack separate permanents. And they, this is the first time they've like, okay, can we lean into this in other directions? And, and, and I think it's been, it's really cool to see that something creative. And I think these are very versatile as permanents too, because I mentioned earlier, the, these are all battle sieges, right? Battle dash siege. But the versatility of the core of this permanent type is much wider than when this enters play, choose an opponent, they defend it, you attack it. If you kill it, it flips over, right? That's a lot of things that could very easily just be if it was a battle tower. It could be you play this, but you don't choose, you're the opponent. Your opponent can attack it. It basically acts like a planeswalker, but you get a benefit from it. And it doesn't yeah, yeah, have to be it there. That, that was like our original idea, right? And then. There is the other version of you still do you choose your opponent, but there's no backside. It just has a static effect. But if you kill it, you get like a you get the draw card or something, something like a smaller benefit, but lower loyalty or you choose an opponent and it has a negative effect and it's on you and they attack it and you can block. Right. There's so many little things you can do with it that are like a totally versatile yeah. world because there's like the version of this that's like black six and it's like loyalty 10 and it doesn't have a backside and it's like the first player to reduce this to zero wins the game like there are there are like the capture the flag sort of element of these cards that i think are like very doable that's like really cool and fun and simple and uh and, and, and people have talked about like cool multiplayer versions right like an initiative version where basically like the last person to do damage does it gets control over it and now gets the benefit from it i think the thing about the that i like so much and this is really where you know Many of the folks that we like that design these cards are folks that we we know socially or we like, we'll see at the events and we'll get to play like commander with or whatever. Right. And like so we kind of know the sensibilities and like the types of cards they like and, and, and whatever. Like so it's not like the people who design magic cards are mutants that are in a lab somewhere and they just like think like in math. It's like they're just they love the game just like you do, just like I do. Like they really, truly love it. And they want to geek out and nerd out about it. I think. Those people are just as excited as you and me about the idea of I want to make a new type of card that when I play it immediately engages everyone on the table in a positive way in like a like there is a battle now going on over this thing. So obviously the version that we're talking about that could eventually exist of either player gets a benefit from attacking it is great, but also the version they just introduced, which is like. I'm putting this cool thing on the table. I've invested resources into it. I'm now going to make you think about how are you going to interact with it? And like this card that was in my deck is not a sorcery, like, like a saga. One of my complaints of sagas, one of the things I don't particularly love about sagas is that they're a lot of text. It's a little hard to track. And they're also sorcery speed permanents that come down and they don't feel like you have as much control of the game. They're, they're a little automatic, which I don't think it's like cool. It's just not my favorite part of magic. I like when I play something and I feel like the next time I have priority, I'm going to be able to interact with it the way that I want to. And, and sagas are a bit hard to do that with. You kind of have to accept this is going to go the way of the card. And a battle is very similar, but it's exactly 
it's exactly that one difference. I'm going to play this thing. And if, if I get what I want out of it, it's going to be just what I want. But you can interact with it, right? Like each turn, each of us is going to think about how this thing is going to be affected on the board. The backside, the cool thing I hope to get out of it is going to be the same anytime it flips, which by the way, one other aspect of battle that I think is very cool you mentioned earlier is when it flips, you can cast it. It doesn't flip like a saga and become, or, or, or I should say, it doesn't flip like most flip cards and transform. The flip on a battle is it flips it and cast it without paying its mana cost, right? Or I, or I guess it's just cast. I don't think it says anything about mana cost because there is no mana cost. Uh, but specifically, battles flip and have to be cast. So battles on flip can be countered, correct? Yeah, then you cast it transformed. Okay. So, so you can, you can counter the backside too. Yes. So I think that that's a really cool aspect of these cards. You put the resources into the attack and then the thing gets, you know, reduced to zero and it flips to be cast. And now you're tapped out. I spell pierce it like the right. Like that's super cool. Except I guess if it flips into a creature, then you couldn't do that. Well, and, and, and that's kind of like when I said they can be banned like this. I could see them being banned, which I still think is true. But these are easier to balance straight up than a planeswalker. Right. The the costs to them are very different and, and you can do cooler things with them. The front side of a battle can be much more powerful than the minus ability on a planeswalker. Right. Because because you can kind of be like. The cost to get to the other side is high, having to like every battle ostensibly says, get this thing gain. And then if you want this other thing, gain your opponent this much life. Right, right, right. Right. And, and and that is a cost and is hard to get. And a lot of these cards might just see play as just no, I just want to play. And then I, there's a few that I can point at. I just want to play the front half. I don't care about the back half. Right. I'm never going to attack into this thing. I'm going to use it because it's a decent removal spell. I'm going to use it because it's a decent board wipe. I'm going to use it because it does this. And then like one out of four games, I'll realize my opponent like doesn't have blockers to block it and I can kill it in like one swing and gain the benefit and it's worth it versus doing the damage to them. And so I, I definitely see a world where these are a little easier to balance or a little easier to understand what the cost is. And that's why I point at vampire hex mage as being a thing that could get them banned or get a get vampire hex mage banned because that gets around that feature gets around the difficulty of getting these to flip. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I feel like the front half conversation is interesting because you look at a very basic saga, like the birth of Melitus, right? Like the uncommon white one that gets you like a link. It gets you like a planes in your hand and then it makes like a zero four, I think maybe draws a card. I can't remember exactly, but th that card is like from a value perspective, it's like high enough that for two mana, you can just justify it, right? Like if you play it and you get a land and they kill you the next turn, two mana to get a planes is still, it's like good enough that the upside is there. If you get the whole way, fine. And I think that like the design of magic has leaned more towards cards like that overall. I will say that from a personal player perspective, I'm not the biggest fan of cards that are good enough on their front half that the back half is just gravy. Because I think like there's this inevitability factor and this sort of grind factor that cards like that will look at most cards that are a one for one value and be like, unless you play me at the right time, I'm going to be better than you. That's that was always my problem with like Uro. It's the same problem I kind of have with like Omnath. Like 
a lot of cards like that where it's like they come down and they do something good enough on their front half that the next time you get to do something they're just so nuts and then like past two more turns and it's like the game is basically ended because they're and, and like it's weird because like makes me think of a uh, shieldred which are like you know the, the the most recent one from dominary united which is like so good right like a, it's a black black two legendary four or five that Whenever you draw a card, you gain two. Whenever your opponent draws a card, they lose two. The card wins the game on its own. The inevitability of that card is so good, but it's also like the difference between that and a lot of the other ones I'm talking about is like what that card is on its face value is pretty simple. It's a legendary four or five creature for four mana. So four is already a pretty heavy investment for a card that if they kill it before you untap is bad. Like you've spent four mana for a creature that didn't do anything for you, right? I have way less problems with cards like that than I do with cards that are kind of inexpensive, that get you something marginal when they come in. And then if you're able to get there, they just feel like you have better cards than your opponent. That's the difference. So I'm, I guess with, with battles, my hope is we don't get a ton of them where the front side is like, oh, wow, this is shockingly good for its mana cost. And now if I'm able to get there, this card was so much better than the cards in your deck because it has way more depth than your like three, three creature for three that does a cool thing that I'm going to kill. That's like that's like my one thought, because I can see the design space and I can see like where I can see where that design space leans. But I also know from having seen my least favorite version of it, the way it makes magic games feel. So that's my long winded sort of, you know. Uh, appraisal of of battles the next one the easy one is transforming double face cards classic more like not modal dual face not the day and night version so not the werewolf version of the mechanic but the classic innistrad one where, where they'll have activated abilities etc the big thing that we're seeing there um is that a lot of the Phyrexian side cards are like this regular card and then this very expensive but with Phyrexian mana activated ability of an alternate color that switches switches it to a gold card. So Heliod is an example of that, or um, the new Atali, uh, where on the front side, it's like an Atali variant based on the original legendary dragon. Uh, but then you can flip it and it becomes Darkseal Colossus on the backside. Not an actual Darkseal Colossus, it's like, but it's an 11-11 yeah, indestructible yeah, yeah. trample. Um, Which is cool. So the next ability is backup. And this one's actually a lot sicker than I normally consider this type of mechanic. So most sets have the combat matters mechanic. It, mentor. You know, thing, yeah. Melee, mentor, uh, you know, and almost always they're like the most forgettable part. I like, honestly, if you were to show like six of them to me with just keywords and ask me like, can I tell you the difference between melee and mentor? No, no, I can't. They are, they, are, they are usually like, if you attack with another creature that has X power or less or more, it gets a plus one plus one counter or like all creature gets plus one plus O or all three. Of thing. Like it's, it's like some, some sort of like one to two creature or more thing that rewards you with power or like scry occasionally draw, but it's, very like sometimes it's very, it's, sometimes oh. it's specific where it's like yeah plus one plus one counter if you attack with something weaker than the creature you're attacking with sometimes it's like 
open-ended where it's like you get a benefit if you attack with three creatures you can scry you can draw a card you can do three damage to a thing the rare one does like something insane and the common one gives a, a plus one plus zero to a creature right like it it's all relatively generic it always requires attacking and at least two creatures is the point yeah 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 um backup though is based on is in that similar space but backup reads um when this creature enters the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on it uh for each of the numbers so uh, if it has backup one you put two plus one plus one plus one counter if it has backup four you put four plus one plus one counters uh plus one counter target creature if that's another creature it gains the following abilities until end of turn so uh basically if you choose the target the creature that itself that you can target itself so it can enter as a five five if it's a four four or you can target a different creature that maybe doesn't have summoning sickness that turn and then it gets plus one plus one in this case because it has backup one and then it gains the abilities beyond that so in this case it gives target creature flying first strike lifelink and plus one plus one forever and so it, it ostensibly kind of gives the ability of haste plus clones the creature into two places and there are some sick there are some sick variants of this card coming out this ability that we've seen already it's a pretty cool ability from that perspective you're talking about of like what you normally get which is uh, generally speaking like an ability that you're mostly going to pay attention to the commons and uncommons because the rare version or the mythic rare version is usually not awesome because of that it's usually because it has that and something it, there's there's only like one aggro deck playable two or three drop rare and then a bunch of limited only cards that are relevant and that's it or they'll put the good ability on like a six drop angel or dragon that's like oh cool but like it's already pretty good without it and like it's not about that ability so much it's about the fact that it's like a power card that has a cool thing so what i think is interesting about this one which you're describing is that like because of the fact that when it comes in it gives the counters and the ability if you choose another creature Correct me if I'm wrong, permanently. You said that, right? It's not. It no, no, no. It's, it gains the abilities until end of turn. It gets the counter permanently, but the abilities until end of turn. Okay, okay. I, now, when you said it, I was like, wait, I thought I knew what this did. So, okay. But even, even that, like if it's backup two or something, you're making your 2 2 creature, your limited whatever, even if it's like a good creature in play, significantly bigger. And like you described, a lot of the abilities are good. It's not like vigilance until end of turn it's like several abilities because the way these cards are templated is that they are good cards like a lot of them are rares and have a lot of cool stuff going on so if you don't give to another creature they have to be good enough on their own that's why like like boonbringer valkyrie if you play it and you target itself is baneslayer angel right it is a five five flying first strike lifelink yeah for five that is that is a baneslayer angel or you can have it be a slightly worse Baneslayer Angel and be a 4-4 flying first strike life ink, but then make whatever other creature you have in play a Baneslayer Angel for a turn. So it's a Baneslayer Angel with haste. So if you have like a 3-3 in play, you know how a 4-4 flying first strike life link for a turn, you gain four life, and then you have a 4-4 forever, and you have a 4-4 flying first strike flying. You know, like it, 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 and this is like the generic one, right? There's, there's one. Uh, Valderan Thrill Seeker. Uh, it's two red for a Vampire Warrior 1-1. One, one, backup two. So you can put two counters on it. So it could be a 3-3. Three, three, or you can give it to something else. And then you can sacrifice. And then it gains the ability or gives the ability. One, sacrifice this creature to fling it. So this has the ability to like come down 
turn your big thing into a fling while it gets plus two plus two and attacks that turn and you still get thrill seeker which could be another ping for one or you can build on it like like stuff like that there's so many fiddly things that you get for like hacking abilities onto other creatures that i think there's some really cool stuff we're going to see with this ability this card also uh has like a standard combo that was like that was like discussed right you saw that no Thrill Seeker, because Yargle has 18 power, right? Oh, it's literally right next to Yargle in the preview. (laughs) Yeah. So you play Yargle, and then you play Voldaren Thrill Seeker on the next turn, and you just dome them for 20. For 20, yeah. Like, it has, it has, like, the fact that Yargle has 18 power and that this has the backup effect means that, like, you can just do it. Um, You have to have the mana for it, obviously, but it's it's quite good. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, look, I don't think backup is going to be, you know, the delve. I think backup is a cool ability that I like that it, the way it's designed. I think it's interesting that it, it interacts in a favorable way that doesn't make me feel like I'm playing, you know, uh, one of these normal sort of aggro things. Um, I think it, it falls into the ex- it, it falls in, in uh, if we're scaling all abilities, it's real close to exalted for me. Exalted is really good. Yeah. Like that's where it hangs out, right? It's like it is one of those generic combat mechanics, but because it's added to cards that like it's kind of a freebie and it's like super versatile and how it's powerful. That's kind of where it feels at home to me. Yeah, I think that when newer players learn how to play magic, there are two types of cards. There are the types of cards that you draw them and you play them and they're rigid and they feel like they are simple and they only fit into the way you have built this deck, your green red deck. And it does this thing. And then there are those cards that are obviously more complex and they have more going on and they generally speaking are less expensive and they are more like free flowing. They, they work together more easily. And I think backup for me feels like the type of effect that is going to pair with other types of cards more easily. It's not going to be as rigid as I think some of these others like you talk about mentor and some of those others and it's like, they really don't feel like I can play them effectively in strategies other than aggro strategies. That's all of those abilities. Whereas I do think backup is like the one extra mana you might have available might mean that this is going to go on to that one creature. And then the one mana is going to combine with that creature's thing to do something really cool. And that for me is fun for a newer player. It means that these cards feel like they'll probably work together nicely. Um, and be a little less rigid. At least that's what I would hope. It seems that way, though. Yeah, no, it, it and like, I'm just like, it, also as a mechanic, it's like, sounds like so versatile in a cool way. Like, imagine like a Llanowar Elf that's a zero one, but has this. So, like, so like would, early on, it's a Llanowar. It's one green for a zero one tap for a forest. But late game, you can play it, and then it's basically free because you can give another creature the ability to tap for mana that turn. So it'd be like a zero one elf for green that has backup one. So like yeah. it, a one two Lenor elf basically is what it is if you play it on its own, which is like how much how much better is that actually than Lenor elf? It is strictly better, but it's like not that much. And then like later in the game, you play your creature for a green and whatever creature you have now taps for one green. You've upped your Gaius cradle count or whatever, like whatever cool thing you've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like it's nice. weird, right? Like the, the, you could do cool stuff with this mechanic that I think like even if it's like the two mana variant of that to make it like not better than land or elf. Cause what we described is just better than land or elf or it taps for colorless or it taps for another color, but it could be like, like what you described is a rare, right? Like what I described is a rare, right? Make, make it the, the, 
the noble hierarchy of this set is one green taps for green has this ability i think that card would have to have my one thought i think that that's an elf the defender zero oh. one l what if it's not an elf? what if it's like a like a a druid phyrexian yeah that, that, that's fair that's fair okay well <laughs> yeah but 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 other than elves how many one one land or elves have we had for one ever i mean you have the cards birds like- noble hierarchy noble hierarchy goose <laughs> Yeah, but Hyrox is zero ones. Yeah, okay, that that's your, your your points fair. It could it could be it could be a rare zero. I think this would be a fair. very good card, right? This would be a tournament it's staple the, in every in many a format. But I mean, they print tournament staples in many a format. I think that's that's the only thing. I think if it was an elf, it, you can't make a card that is strictly better than Lanner Elf. I think that's the only problem. It's like, but yeah, but I hear you. I think it's a very cool design. And if we shot called this right now, I can't wait for the next episode. All right. Uh, Incubate. Um, So Incubate is the uh, next in a long line of, uh, you know, investigation, treasure tokens, blood tokens, um, food tokens. And it is an incubator is a token artifact incubator. And it has the ability inherently like uh, clue tokens have the ability inherently to pay two mana to sacrifice the draw card. This is pay too many to transform this artifact. They are double-sided artifact tokens. Uh, and then the backside is a zero zero. And the ability many cards will have would be incubate number. And so if it's something has incubate three, you make a the the incubator, you know, artifact token, but it comes in with three plus one plus one counters on it. And then for two mana, you can make it into a three three creature. What was first? Uh clue or treasure? Was it treasure? I think it was clue. Was it was it for sure? Uh, gold technically was the very first. We've had, that was a trivia question on one of our episodes. Is what was the Not very first Mokta. ever? Mokta gold has Makar, right? Or yeah, maybe it's Makar and not Mokta. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so treasure happened, and then and and, and then okay, so it was it was Guild and Makar came out within two sets of each other, and they were making gold, and then they then made it treasure. Um, when they realized that the they wanted it to be tapped because the, they knew that Kaladesh was going to be in the same standard environment as it. And they realized improvise with treasures or with improvise with gold was too powerful. So they came up with treasures. So what's interesting is that like now that you have incubate and you have this effect where it's it's yet another it's yet another of these two mana like static artifacts that can like do a cool thing for a cost. I wonder if when treasure was implemented, I wonder if the thought was this is going to be the new like template for magic. The next 10 years are going to be like we want new players to get used to there being these like sort of artifact eggs on the battlefield that have like something you can do with them. And there's going to be a whole bunch of versions because now you've now got obviously gold's not a real thing, but treasure, you've got clues, you have food, you have blood. You've got these these incubate tokens. That's five prominent inventions. You do have power stones, which are not quite the same, but like no, I think they are. I think I think they're in the same category. They don't have the sacrifice ability, but neither do incubator tokens. Yeah, power stones though. I mean, they're like it's, it's a token in a pack. Like I there's do weird think- ones too, right? There's rocks, and then there's there's uh, mines from the one that like they make mines that you can sack to do two damage to an attacking creature, or oh, sure. the equipment one, which is rocks um there's servos is another one shards which is the enchantment one that nico eris makes so they they play in this space there's uh, uh, tezzeret doesn't tezzeret make like treasures but 
Tezzeret makes okay. treasure. There's a Tezzeret that makes treasures, but they're not called treasures. They're called like power crystals. <laughs> I was gonna say like 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 shards and power crystals. That all feels like it's in the same category. I do think servos and thopters. Those are like specifically creature tokens. Like creature tokens are their own beast. That like the, the reason I would include servos. Sorry, finish. Uh, I just I think that like historically dating back to forever ago, if you make a creature token as a permanent of any kind or a spell of any kind, like they're just, they're token versions of the most common thing that new players understand, which is I'm going to play this thing. It's going to attack and block. I think these other ones, they, they're, it's a, they were like a newer invention that I think new players are very familiar with. So, so the one, the one reason I would say servos fit better amongst them and and i i agree with you creature tokens don't count in the same way but because of fabricate from kaladesh right where there was okay. there in they came out inherently as a part of a mechanic and that mechanic triggered in making them and then they were used more as like a specific resources where cards would have like specifically sacrifice a servo or sacrifice an artifact creature token you know like that that to me played a little bit different than just like a random mirror token or a thopter token. Yes. But, but, but I agree. They are, that was like the first step. And then we've gotten farther and farther into really cool stuff. Um, but, yeah. And I think, so, so that's, that's where I was like sort of thinking about this. And I was like, okay, these are, cause you know, I don't, it sounds like maybe tonight we're not going to get into like full card previews. There's a bunch of yeah. interesting cards that, that get into these. There's one incredibly powerful card that references these, the, the one card that I texted you yesterday about was Elishnorn. The new Elishnorn is is bananas, and it's actually pretty par for the course that we have not had a bad version yet of Elishnorn, which is pretty cool. Uh, like most legends have bad versions, or or at least kind of cumbersome versions. The original Elishnorn is so iconic; it's so good. The second one was totally nuts, like incredibly powerful, like controversial. And I gotta tell you, I think this new one that. <laughs> When it's a whole crazy thing we're going to talk about, but when it flips, it makes ten, makes five of these. Like, is so good. I, I I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that any of these three Elish Norns have been anything less than remarkable? Um, the first two are obviously bonkers. This one, I actually was when you texted me, I was like, oh, cool, the new Elish Norn. I read it, and I was actually pretty disappointed. So really? I'm I'm interested to see. Well, because the flip, it, you have to sacrifice three creatures and pay three mana. So to like actually flip Elish Norn on this side is pretty hard. And her other static ability, whenever a source and opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source control loses two life unless they pay one is like. Maybe it's backbreaking. Maybe I'm just like wrong. And that that ability is like really, really good. <laughs> but like it feels a little bit like worse ghost. Um, council. No, no, not ghost council. Worse, worse uh, uh, propaganda. Sure. Right. Like um and so like i've played there there's a there's a white wall i believe it was a wall from new phyrexia that had phyrexia mana players had to pay phyrexia mana to attack you basically and i've like oh, never norn. ever played that card because it's norn's always like or something let's say it again it's like norn's annex or something like yeah that. yeah i think it's literally norn's annex you're right and so norn's annex and like it's basically this ability i think this is like kind of a reference to norn's annex right it has like colorless Phyrexian mana like prevent damage to you uh, or whatever and I'm kind of like eh maybe it <laughs> um, but then then if you flip it the saga is very good right the the I do think incubation tokens are 
a little bit of a, a side swing away from blood tokens. I think they're better. Like, I think they're they're being costed uh, more comparably to food tokens, right? Where wizards kind of consider them useless, where like you, the rate, like, for instance, traumatic revelation, which is the card they previewed, like you still get like you get a three. I don't know. I feel like you're getting a lot of free ones of these. Like these are being added on in the ways you mentioned. You get five of them, right? But like how good That's is five of them? Let's talk about what this card does because we, we've kind of talked around it. So this is a legendary creature for Exon Praetor 3-5 Vigilance for White, White 2. So it's a 3-5 Vigilance, Elish Norn for 4 mana, right? Like, okay, that's castable. Whenever a source and opponent controls, deals damage to you, damage, not combat, to you or a permanent you control, that source is control loses 2 life unless they pay 1. So it's got a little bit of, like, protection. They have to work a little harder. Then for White 2... Sacrifice three other creatures, exile Elish Norn, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under its control, activate only as a sorcery, so you can't do it like end of turn sort of a thing. It's a little bit cumbersome. However, the flip turns into a saga called the Argent Etchings. First mode, this is when it flips. Incubate to five times, then transform all incubator tokens you control. So when this flips, you make five tokens that are two twos and flip them immediately. So it flips and they end power right away. The next ability, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain double strike until end of turn. So all of your <laughs> all of your creatures become three yep. threes. So now three, you're attacking. Three double striking, yep. If they don't have the ability to block, you flip and you attack and you just win because they're all double striking. So that's 20 power right there. The last ability is destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. They're all Phyrexians. Exile, Argent Etchings, then return to the battlefield under your control. So now you have that same front side ability of three mana and sack other creatures. You can go ham and do the whole thing again. So my my like feeling on this card is that like, again, we're comparing this to children which to me is like the gold standard right now of inexpensive incredibly powerful praetors that card is so good that card's obviously better on its front side it doesn't need anything else you just play it and then as soon as they untap it's good this card requires a little bit more work but let's be honest classic elish norm requires seven mana so it requires a little more work too well it doesn't though (laughs) Cost seven, so it requires more work. That's my point. Then, then but it doesn't cost seven. It costs a spell that reanimates it. It costs a sure a burial rights or a persist or a, you know or not specifically not a persist. But <laughs> okay, your, your, your point is fair there. But I guess when I look at this card, what I think of is okay. So I cast a three five for four. If this is put into a deck that is taking advantage of that side at all, they either have to kill it. Or the next turn, I'm going to get 10 power. And it's not 10 power they can interact with very easily. It's 10 power they have to wrath. Well, you have to have, you have the three creatures, right? They have to have wow. three additional is, creatures. If this is in the right deck, how hard is that? If you're, like, let's say you put this into a... Let's just say you put this into a token sure. shell. As a two of, like any tokens shell whatsoever. I cast this. You've already gotten like a bunch of like lingering souls tokens and other things and, and anthems. Yeah, and but if, like, you have, okay. like, if you have a instant speed removal spell, you pay three mana, sacrifice three creatures, you can respond and kill it. Kill kill Oshnarn in response. Yeah, fair. 
I mean, I, 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 I do agree with you that this card is fragile, but I still feel like the the upside is nuts on this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, the cost is so high because if you can get to the other side, it's it's bonkers. Like like Jinkataxius is exile Jinkataxius, then return to the battlefield transformed on it. Like there's no. You have to have seven or more cards in hand. So I guess that like but that's like a thing that's a little bit more accomplishable to me than. But I think I think all the Praetors are going to be really hard to flip like and they all have like I win the game on the other side in a lot of ways. But um, like I remember like when like like Nicol Bolas, the Ravager, maybe the one from the one from like the, the course out a few years ago, the four mana, like three, four flyer, I think it was yeah. four, four, four. Yeah. And it would come in, your opponent discarded a card. It was like a 4-4 four, four flyer. And then I think it had, the flip was like 7 maybe. Yeah. Um, and it flipped into like a really good card. And I remember thinking, okay, so like this is totally like reasonable on the front half. It's like good. It has value. If you combine this with like, at the time I was trying to make it in like a training grounds deck. It's like, so maybe on turn 5, you just like, you already have training grounds in play. And now you flip this card. The backside's crazy. I remember thinking about that and being like, okay, if you take advantage of that in the same way that Elish Norm would want to have, you know, three creatures, how good's the backside? And I never was able to make out like, like, like the, that Nickel Bullets work. I was never able to like build the deck s- successfully and the card ended up being bad. So maybe based on that, this card is a mirage. It, it may be. I, I, you could be right. I just, when I thought but about so- the I think I think like in standard, this is worse than Shieldred, which is like a very hard high high bar yeah. hard, hard to pass. And I don't know if I would play this over regular Elishnorn or whatever middle Elishnorn. <laughs> but four mana is not unreasonable, right? Especially at the top of an aggro curve, it does do a little bit to like make your opponent's life harder to kill you. And if you flip it, you win. In modern, I think it's just stone cold unplayable. Uh, not stone cold unplayable but i don't think it's very good or it doesn't make the cut pioneer i think it also doesn't really make the cut in commander i think this card's very cool like i think this is a cool commander too because like i think i think in commander this is a card that if you play as your commander people will hate you out of the game they'll like they'll try and kill you first because i think like what it does is relatively unfun in that format and not that hard to accomplish in that format so i i, I don't know it's a hard one for me to evaluate it might be great. It might. It definitely feels like a role player in standard, regardless. But it'll be interesting to see how much play it does. And part of me feels like when I read it, it was like, oh, they made the last Elishnorn a little bit weaker, partially because in the story she is weaker. Like this is the turning point in this. Like they win against Elishnorn here, and B because like how many good Elishnorns do they want? It also is possible that this was made for standard. Other Elishnorn was made for commander, and they push it a little harder than they meant to, or whatever. But we'll see. I know that. I know that the original the middle elish norn was supposed to be six mana and they changed it to five i guess with this card like what i'm talking about like let's just say this is in a tokens deck and like you play it and you're able to play a good enough deck where this is just the topper i guess there's a version of like it flips and it makes 10 power and your opponent's like i'm a turn away from killing you so i don't care good for you with your 10 power and like i can see that being sort of the like it's like again it's sort of like a mirage like what it gives you it's like not actually that affecting of the board both the front side and the flip none of them do something none of them like make it so that like your opponent 
sacrifices to creatures or like your opponent can't play spells or like it kills all of your opponent's things. They're all like the, they're all sort of that offensive front side way. I could see that that even if you get the thing going could be underpowered, but it just feels like, I don't think that sacrificing three creatures is that hard. And it just like makes 10 power. And the untap is like, I attack for 20. It, it, I don't you know. Do, you I, do, I, if they are tapped out, you do sacrifice three creatures and gain three creature and gain two, right? You, you, you net two creatures out of the deal. Yeah. And, and, and like, so, so but like that, that, I guess that's my point. Like the upside's real high. So if the thing that takes advantage of this is good, then it's going to be very good. But sure. I hear what you're saying. I, I do think the other two are probably better. Um, but, but I think I think like in incubate in general, I've, I'm always really high on these type of artifact token making mechanics. And I think that an incubate creature is has a lot higher upside than, say, a blood token did. Right. And I thought blood and I was higher than anyone on blood tokens. So love blood tokens. Sorry. But I think I think blood tokens was just a I think because the problem with these all of them is what cards are they on right to your point there are already some pretty close to totally busted versions of cards playing incubator tokens and so with that in mind i think they're just great right with blood it was very obvious that they were like we underestimated these food was too good let's make these worse and then that hurt the mechanic i think because just none of the cards that played blood tokens were very good so that that's all that's going to matter yeah i didn't i didn't I've built a lot of magic decks in a lot of formats, and I've basically never looked for a card that plays blood tokens. I, I so. am excited for like what's like the opposite of an academy? Academy rector? No, like like uh, emotionally, uh, like a dropout manufacturer. Oh, yeah, sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> that like that has like blood incubator tokens and rocks or something right where oh, it's it's sure, sure yeah it's like it's like in modern horizons three it'll be the inverse of academy manufacturer where it made food clue and and treasure this will make blood incubators and and uh whatever the third one they decide I, is it'll cost two because they're all bad and no one yeah. Wants to play <laughs> like, yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> way less push so it's like funny that it's like i don't i think it could cost three because like one of the powers of academy manufacturer isn't that the things that they're making is good it's just like anytime you make one of them you get three artifact tokens it just it only would matter that one of them was good because like that's the point right like, right <laughs> um I think that would be really funny uh, if we if we got if we got just like the the opposite trio. Magic's winning to the point that like I I bought another uh, Horizons two box like two weeks ago. I I got it on like eBay for kind of cheap, like okay, definitely like hundred dollars or more less than I bought my last one for because I was just like I want to open Ragabon or something. It was sure. like bad. I opened like nothing, but the tokens you open like so many clues and food and like, and I, they're all foil. They're all sweet. And I like everyone I opened, I was like, this is going into a sleeve. This is definitely going into a deck box. This is like really dope. There's a big focus on those tokens now being cool and relevant in a way that like, you know, a few years back, like when that stuff started, it was not like, I'm going to save these foil tokens and be excited. It was like, a, I'm excited now. I like want to have a full box of them in every single deck box. Yeah, it's like it's Power Stone, uh, it's Power Stone Blood and Incubator. That's the three things you get. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I need. To, I'm gonna make it. It's like 
<laughs> on like a card editor and post it on 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 the internet. All right. Uh, the last mechanic is a returning mechanic that is convoke. There's a lot of like mini returning mechanics. I mentioned like there's an infect creature, um, but it doesn't have actual infect. They like read out what infect is. But uh, convoke is back. It was kind of the idea of like it's the groups working together. It's one of the best mechanics I think ever created. Um, super excited for that. Yeah, I mean, Convoke is great. Obviously, anytime you ever see a card, it it always depends a little bit on like how expensive is the card actually and what color is it? That's like the that's always the question, because like, you know, Obelisk of Erd or certain cards like that are like incredibly cool because they're colorless. And then you have other cards that, you know, the big green ones that are like anthems and make tokens and things like that that feel very on brand. But uh I don't think Convoke is a is a mechanic that like making creatures is so endemic of Magic's history. It's hard to make lots of them. Like you can definitely make lots of tokens, but it's a real effort to make an insane number of tokens. And so I think that Convoke is not something that can be easily broken. And I think that like yeah. that makes it a fairly easy evergreen mechanic that you can throw back into things. It's difficult to like make a mistake on that one. And there's and there's definitely some like cool uses of it in this set. Like, you know, a, a anytime Convoke uses the next spell, the next cost, that's always like really interesting, right? Um, I think my favorite so far is Hoarding Broodlord, and it's a dragon, it's a mono black dragon for five black, 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 seven, six, and it has convoke. And then when it enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle for as long as that card remains exiled, you may play it. And then spells you cast from exile have convoke. So it gives the thing you tutor for convoke and that so it, it it's like basically an instant staple because already there's a you know seven mana but playable in commander demon that when it enters battlefield tutor this puts it in the exile and then like has like an exile tribal thing so any of those like impulse red cards ragavan like all of that gets the benefit from this type of effect now you want to be able to play a, an eight mana convoke dragon sure but sure. in in commander, if you're reanimating it as a reanimator target, it's very cool. Like, I think it's it's a pretty cool effect on both sides, which I really like. Um, so I think they're playing around with convoke in interesting ways. Yeah, I mean, convokes obviously been, it's, it's been expanded to other effects that are similar, right? Like uh, improvise is very similar these days. They're both kind of riffs on uh, they're not the same. They're, they're sort of riffs on affinity. They're like affinity plus something. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I think that Magic has looked at all of those things and and done a pretty good job with it. So I I like Convoke. I've never found there to be a Convoke card that I was like, this is insane, but like insane in like a I wish this didn't happen way. I mean, Clever Concealment. I'm pretty sure is a card like a white card from Commander that came out lately that is like another cool fun card in a multiplayer format that takes advantage of the same mechanics. So I have. At this point in design, a lot of faith. The cards with Convoke are going to be pretty balanced. I don't think we're going to get like something that is like offensive. You know, I think yeah, that's like I, I mean, they're being creative. So there's a there's a there's a free counter spell right with Convoke, Elegant Denial, which is cool. But you can also loot with it. There's Knight Errant of Eos, four white human knight Convoke. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top six, and you can put any two creature cards uh, with mana value X or LS, where X is the number of creatures you convoked with. Um, so there's like there's like cute things that it's doing. I don't know. I'm 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 pretty excited. I'm pretty excited in general. I guess the last mechanic, which we really didn't talk about, because it's not as mechanical, but it does have an effect of, to the mechanics, is the the team up cards. 
oh sure all just like all of the combos yeah so like there's a bunch of cards like a big theme of this set is a lot of the creatures are actually two creatures on one card um so an example being Thalia and the Gitrog, which was like one of the first that they previewed um that card's bonkers and it has uh the second Thalia card so all creatures and non-basic lands under the play tapped of your opponents and then it has like get roggy mechanics where like you draw a card we sack a lane when it enters play you draw a card whenever you play a land right uh fell in the get rog is first strike death touch for a one white green black four four uh first strike death touch being famous because there are very few creatures that have both uh glissa the trader being glissa in in general being famous for being one of the few that has it you may play an additional land on each of your turns creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control under the battlefield tapped and then when thalia and the get rog monster attack sacrifice a creature or land then draw a card there was a non there was a non text version with foil that was previewed today that was so sick though. yeah so sick well, the, the the the, the game the, yeah 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 it's uh, if you win the game store the 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 in store championship or whatever you can win it i'm it's on my list of things to pick up but there's a bunch of these all of them are really really cool they're all like inherent callbacks to the like original two creatures combined which i think is really cool it's something they've been they were able to do in a really creative way for a lot of them another one is like wrinkle and torbran where you have like the wrinkle mechanic where like whenever wrinkle this is deals combat damage to a player you can choose one of their abilities and it's so for them it's uh they're flying first strike haste when wrinkle and torbran deal combat damage to a player or battle choose any number each player creates a treasure token each player sacrifices a creature and then this is the tor brand ability if a source would deal damage to a player or a battle this turn it deals that much damage plus two it's cool because they have first strike so they'll do their first strike damage you can choose that last option and then the normal strike damage will happen with the plus two effect from tor brand so um really cool stuff i'm i'm super hyped by this set uh i think like I think there's like some downness on the lore right now because of kind of the way stuff has been released. But I I mean, if you want to hear a recap of the entire story of what's gone on in this set, we have a playlist on our channel called March of the Ma- March of the Machine uh, story recaps. Uh, I literally go through every single chapter that they did. It's about 14 episodes. Uh, highly recommend it. It's a fun blast. You can hear me. I, I also maybe recommend like you read each one as you listen to them. Um if you want to know what happens. Um, but yeah, this, this, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts, Ben, before we kind of wrap up? I, my first thought would be that Alex is a genius when it comes to the, uh, the story and the set and the revealing everything, because I see all those posts and you just know everything, which I'm like kind of amazed by. Uh, so if you guys want to like, know it, like watch his stuff. Cause his passion is like, you can't manufacture that. Um, I think that my opinion of the set and the cards I think that I'm 80% stoked. There's a small part of me that feels like they're jamming so much into this and it's a little gimmicky with like the combos of the characters and the reference to all the different planes that I I hope it's not just like a I hope it's not it doesn't end up just being like a smorgasbord of like it doesn't feel exciting in retrospect. It feels like too much. That's that'd be like my sort of one comment. There's just like so much going on in this. I see a lot of the comments. I see a lot of the previews, even the combinations of characters and some of them. It's like this is cool and fun, but if I don't know the story, it's sort of like stapling this one character with this other character, you know, and cool new card. And like, if I don't know the story, then I'm like, but those two characters are really iconic and cool. Why am I getting them on the same card? And like, 
there, there's a little bit of that that I think that as a fan, um, if I'm not a gigantic story fan, that, that I maybe feel like the set is trying to go for too much. Um, but currently, the way I feel is that I really like the card design. I think there's a lot of really cool things going on in here. I think that we talked about battle a lot. I think it's really awesome. Um, overall, most of the characters I've seen that have been combined, I have been pretty excited for their cards. I think that like Phyrexia, all like like Phyrexia and Brothers War both felt more purely exciting, maybe or something. I'm not quite sure why I can't say this set just feels like they're throwing the kitchen sink. And there's a part of me that when I see the previews, I'm a little skeptical, but I like a lot of the cards. I do. I think they're very cool. Um, I hope that when I open the packs and I play the set, it feels as cool as I hope it does. But just there's some small, like some small part of me that right now feels like there's too much. It's hard for me to get excited about some of these combos or some of the things because it's like the set is trying to do like maybe a little too much. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, overall power level and the mechanics I'm pretty excited for. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, always a big fan of these, a big event moments. We talked about it and even in the, the, the pre-show with, in regards to Marvel. So I'm, I'm really hyped. I think this set, like, I think it feels mechanically like it's sticking the landing. I think story-wise will, you know, people can get into it. I think that it, it, did a very good job and then just how things are released is maybe not how I would have done it, but um, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see kind of just uh, where this ends up going and I'm excited for March of the Machine uh, aftermath and um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks everyone. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you, Ben. Uh, make sure to follow on at Kess Wiley on Twitter. Ben is at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, if you want more magic content throughout the week or my like hot takes on cards individually, I'm also doing TikTok content about five episodes a day. Um, so make sure to check that out as well. And we will see all of you next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.